You are listening to a message from The Exchange in Pearl, Mississippi. To find out more about The Exchange, go to www.theexchange.cc. Today we're also kicking off our brand new summer series called Summer in the Psalms. Summer in the Psalms, I'm really excited about this. Throughout the the Sundays of this summer, we're going to walk through some of the different chapters of the book of Psalms. If you are familiar with Scripture, you know that Psalms is the longest book in all of Scripture, actually 150 different Psalms. We decided we would not try to tackle all 150 this summer, um, but we are going to tackle some of the uh, more powerful Psalms throughout the book. And here's what's going to happen. Here's what our prayer is, that the unchanging truth of Scripture would present everyday truth for our lives. Like we actually believe that God's word is living and active, as it says, and it will speak to our lives. Now, Psalms was written, if you study it, Psalms was written by a number of different authors. Some of them we know their names, some of them we don't. But Psalms is ultimately this. If you want to know just kind of the historical context of it, Psalms is a collection of ancient Israel's favorite hymns or songs and prayers that were just recorded and written down. Okay, So we're going to read some psalms and hymns that ancient Israel used to sing, things they used to pray, and that truth is going to impact our lives and the way that we live. I like to think of it this way. Um, in some ways, psalms is kind of like your, your favorite music playlist that you have. How many of you guys have like a favorites playlist on your Spotify, your phone, or your car, whatever it is? How many of you are like, what's a playlist? Okay, cool. All right, you ask your neighbor. It'll be all good. Um, so some of us, maybe you have like a favorites playlist, and it's like your, your chill playlist when you feel like unwinding, or maybe it's your like get up playlist. It's like kind of kicks you in the tail in the morning because you need a little caffeine and some playlists. Uh, but if you're anything like me, when you listen to your playlist, inevitably one of those songs or lyrics or the chorus of the song gets stuck where? Gets stuck in your head, okay? And then you're obligated to sing it loudly and annoyingly off-key in your office with your spouse, whatever, okay, until they beg you to stop. Uh, but what happens is that lyric, that tune, gets stuck in your head. Uh, and here's kind of my, my prayer as we go into the summer, is that the, the truth of God's word from the book of Psalms would get stuck into our, our hearts and our minds in such a way that it actually begins to change how we live, okay? And so as we walk through Psalms, man, let's let God's word encourage us, challenge us. Today we're going Psalm 1. We feel like if we were starting at the beginning, one's a good place to start. So if you have a copy of scripture, open up with me to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1, if you've got a hard copy or digital copy of Scripture. And here's the, uh, here's the trick that I was always taught. Maybe you've heard it. If you want to find the book of Psalms and you've got a hard copy of Scripture, you just split that bad boy in half, right, just like that. Bam, Psalms right there, okay? Or if you don't land in Psalms, you're just not good at halves, okay? And you can practice that later. It'll be all good. Um, but if you land Proverbs, Job's, Ecclesiastes, you're in the neighborhood, um, and I would just encourage you to have a copy of Scripture open. Also, take some notes so that what we say today actually does stick here and here so that we can live it out. Um, Psalms 1, we do know the author of Psalm 1. Uh, it is believed to be David. So as we read today, these are David's words. And here is how David starts Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. He says, blessed is the one. Now, let's just kind of stop right there. We're not going to stop every four words, but we are going to stop on this one. Blessed is the one. Chapter one starts with a pretty popular word, doesn't it? Blessed. Blessed. Uh, By a quick show of hands, just today here in our room, if you're online, you can throw a little emoji up or whatever. Uh, By a quick show, how many of you would say you would like to live a blessed life? Anybody like, okay. Some of you are like, I don't know. Is that a trick question? Can I say that? No, no trick question. I'm just asking you, okay. Uh, Pretty much 100%. We're all into living a blessed life. 
But my question would just be like, what is that really? Right? Our culture definitely has an idea of blessed, right? You got the t-shirt, okay? Hashtag blessed on your t-shirt or on your bumper sticker. It says like the blessed life. Okay, it's real cute. We're grateful you have that. Um, but my question is just like, are you really? Like, what, what does that really mean? Like, it sounds all warm and fuzzy. It sounds better than have a bad day. But what, what does that really mean? What does blessed life really mean? Well, as the exchange, uh, man, we have a core value that says that we're exchanging ideas for truth. Here's what that means for us. Part of our DNA of who we are as a church is that we acknowledge the world has a lot of different ideas. Okay, they've got ideas on how to live, what your marriage should look like, how much money you should have. All right. But we believe God's word presents an unchanging truth foundation. And so we, we choose to choose ideas or choose truth over ideas. And so today I want us to look at God's word. All right? Culture will tell you whatever your blessed life may look like, but God's word lays a different foundation of a blessed life. In fact, that word blessed that we just read is a combination of two Hebrew words. So I'm going to give them to you real quick. Um, it's the word esher means to be happy or content. That's word number one. The second word, ashar, means to be straight or to be right. So if we put one and one together, here's what we get. A blessed life speaks of a person who finds happiness and contentment in life from being right or being straight with God. That's it. It's a happiness or contentment that comes not because of what my paycheck looks like or how nice my car is or what my body looks like compared to so-and-so's or what my family picture looks like or how broken things are or not. No, it comes from a happiness and a contentment because I'm right with my God. And so I would just ask you, even from the beginning today, just to like consider how confident are you in that? Everybody's blessed life. Raise my hand. I want that. Well, this scripture is beginning to tell us this is where it's found. The confidence of your contentment with God. And so in the rest of our time today, here's kind of how I'm going to outline things. I want us to read through Psalm 1. It's just six verses. And we're going to pull out, or scripture is going to highlight three different components, if you will, of a blessed life. Not what culture would say, but what the word would say, okay? And so let's go to Psalm chapter 1. Verse 1, and here's what David writes. He says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. Notice, Psalm's talking about a blessed life, but it doesn't start with health and wealth and paychecks. All right? It actually starts with a life, hope of a life that's rooted in God's word and his ways. Okay, And so here's how we'll say it today. Write this first true statement down. A blessed life intentionally walks in wisdom rather than wickedness, or we could even say worldliness. Okay, Write that down, and we'll make some notes underneath it or screenshot it, whatever you need to do to remember it so it sticks in your head, sticks in your heart. A blessed life intentionally, that's a key word, walks in wisdom rather than wickedness. Psalms first says, blessed is the one who does not do some things. David said, there's a way that the blessed person will not walk. There's actually a way that the blessed person will not stand. There's a seat that the blessed life, the righteous life, will not sit in. The blessed person realizes this, that there's a way of wisdom, and there's a way of wickedness or worldliness. And they learn to decipher between the two. Now, that first phrase, I want us to think about this. The first phrase of verse 1 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. The truth is, sometimes 
even as proclaimed Christians and good church-going people, we can walk so in step with the ways of the world that our steps don't really look any different than the world around us. You see, that's a really dangerous place for us to be. First, for us, who are called to walk in the world but be different from the world, and also for those around us who are looking to our lives to be a witness of the walk with Christ. We would understand that we're called to be in the world. You've heard that phrase, in the world, but not what? Of the world. That, that, that our life would look different. What does that mean, everyday talk? Well, here's what it means. It just means that if we watch just all the same movies and listen to all the same music and use all the same language and cross, cross all the same purity lines and act stingy with our money and refuse to serve and we live or work dishonestly, then it becomes really confusing for the world to ever know the difference in our steps and their steps. You see, the, the blessed life realizes there is a way of wisdom and there's a way of the world. And God calls me to walk in wisdom. I've heard it um, put this way before, that verse 1 is really a progression of temptation into sin in our life. Here's what I mean by that. Um, if you casually walk in step with the wicked or with the world, if you casually walk in step with the world, it's only a matter of time before you'll stand with the world. And if you stand with the world, before long you'll pretty comfortably sit in the ways of the world. Maybe you've, you've walked that journey before. See, that's, that's just, boom, that quick. Whereas we live in this broken flesh, in a broken world, but yet called to righteousness, that's how easy that pull can come into our life. Part of walking in wisdom means that we have an awareness of the ways of the world, that we choose to walk in wisdom. Some translations say, blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. The counsel of the ungodly. We must realize that the ungodly or the righteous also have counsel. Just like there is godly counsel, there is also worldly counsel. And listen to me, the world will give it to you. If you listen long enough, sometimes you don't have to ask for it, right? Facebook or TikTok or the gram, they'll tell you what your life should look like. They'll give you counsel for free for hours a day if you get lost, right? And I'm, not, I'm not banking on those things. I'm just saying they will counsel you and what life should look like. Um, your, your unhealthy coworker or friend who maybe has not rooted their life into it, you know what? They will counsel you. And how you should think about your dating life or how you should treat your spouse who's not meeting your expectations. They'll counsel you for free. Um, your, your TV news channel or your media outlet of choice, if you listen long enough, it will counsel you on what you should believe. I'm not stay, saying don't stay up to date. I'm just saying you got to be wise in the way that you walk that out. Part of walking in wisdom means walking with an awareness that there is godly counsel and there's worldly counsel. See, here's where the problem comes for many people is we don't even take the moment to decipher and discern through the Holy Spirit which one's which. Now, we walk through a broken situation in our marriage, with our family, with our finances, whatever it is, and somebody just throws out a solution or a life help raft, and man, we grab that thing. And we 
fail to ask sometimes, man, is, is this worldly counsel or is this the wise counsel of God coming into my life? Psalm 16, verse 11. Look at this verse on the screen. It says, you, God, you, God, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Scripture says, first phrase there, God will make known to us the path of life. He's not holding back on you. He will make it known to us, the blessed life or the one who walks in righteousness. Keyword, they intentionally seek God for the wisdom on how to walk. It's an intentional act of seeking that wisdom. And then you know what they're also bold enough to do? The bold life is, or the blessed life is bold enough to live counter to the world if that's what it means being obedient. Why would they do that? That sounds crazy. That sounds difficult. That's right. But they know that's where the blessing's found. Because they're walking in the ways of the Lord. And so let me just ask you, like, real simple, real-life application questions. Are you being intentional? Wherever you are in this life, whatever's going on, are you being intentional right now in this season of seeking godly wisdom? Or maybe have you come in step with worldly wisdom and slid into that without even realizing it? Because sometimes that's how it happens. See, the blessed life intentionally walks in wisdom rather than wickedness. Okay, go back to Psalm 1, pick up verse 2. Here's what David writes next. Read it. It says, but whose delight, blesses the person whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Now, David here mentions the law of the Lord. In Scripture, the first five books, if you study it, the first five books of the Bible are known as the books of the law, right? That's right. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, those are the books of the law. Now, when Psalms uses that phrase, the law of the Lord, David, the psalmist, is talking about all of Scripture, okay? And so as we're hearing this, this is all of Scripture. Here's our second part of the blessed life component. Write this one down. A blessed life continually delights in God's Word. I'm going to use the word God's Word rather than God's law. But a blessed life continually delights in God's Word. I was thinking this week, um, what does it mean to really delight in something? Like, what does that really mean? Well, I feel like I can speak from experience because those who know me really well know that I delight in cookies and cream ice cream, okay? Like, real life talk. Come on, baby. All right. Is there not a better excuse that summer gives you in Mississippi than to eat more ice cream, okay? Like, at my house, we, we'll eat it in the winter, okay? If it's 30s, we eat it. But in the summer, you got to eat more because it's so hot, babe. I got to have a little it's an extra scoop today, all right? So, and my flavor of choice is cookies and cream, okay? And if you have a different flavor of choice, that's fine. I'm not calling you wrong. I'm just saying you're not as right as me, all right? <laughs> Like, cookies and cream is where it's at, all right? That's, it, that's where life begins and ends, is the source is through cookies and cream. And I, like, when I know, I'm not lying, whenever I know that I'm going to get to partake of cookies and cream ice cream, like, my innards get all excited, okay? Like, like I know what's coming. And my wife, I don't care, my wife can bring home store brand, all right, from the grocery store. Come on, babe, fill up the bowl. I'm good with that. All right, or we can go to the gourmet ice cream shop and it's $13 a scoop, all right? We don't give it one scoop because times are hard, but... That's cookies and cream. That's what goes in the bowl, cookies and cream. I get, I get excited, but you know what I also get? I get ticked off mad when I have to take the last bite because <laughs> then it's gone. There's, there's no more at that point. Like, that's it. Why? Because what? Because I delight in it. Like, like I delight, there's joy in that. I delight in cookies and cream. I, in fact, I might have some today for the days over. Just because just you made me talk about it, I might have to have a little bit. Um, 
Here's my question, though. Stay with me. Here's my question. Um, is that how you feel about God's word? Is that how you feel about his promises and his truth to us? See, Psalm says, blessed is the life that does what? That delights in the law of the Lord. What does that look like? Well, I think when we delight in the word of God, we realize, man, my life, my life is incomplete without it. It's the foundation I'm building everything on. Um, when we delight in the word of God, we intentionally fight for time to be in it. We could say it this way, when we delight in the word of God, we don't just wait on the preacher to tell us about it on Sunday because we're getting all up in it on our own during the week. You see, if I'd have told you a second ago that I delight in cookies and cream ice cream, but I've been like, hey, when I go to the ice cream shop, I mean, I choose like four or five other flavors first, where I said, hey, I hadn't really had any in like 10 years, but I delight in it. You'd be like, no, bro, you, you don't delight in that. You can't say that. You know about it, but you don't delight in it. Listen to me, church. I would just say, we can't claim that we delight in the law of the Lord if we don't fight for time in it and to build our lives on it. See, a blessed life lives their life in the Word and through the Word. Um, I want you to hear these promises from Scripture. I'm going to give you three from Psalms. You ready? And they're going to connect the blessed life to the law of the Lord. Look at this, Psalm 94, verse 12. Look at it on the screen. Blessed, there's our word, is the one you discipline, Lord, the one you teach from your, what's it say? From your word. There it is. Psalm 112, verse 1. Blessed, that's what we're chasing. We all raise our hands for that, God. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his what? Commands, which is found in what? His word. Psalm 119, 1. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless and who walk according to the what? Law of the Lord. Man, I could go on and on and on. I'm just giving you three. What's the word saying? Well, saying if you want to live a blessed life, the word is part of that. That's where that delight comes from. It's from someone who seeks and delights and then follows the word of God. Now, let me, let me fix some thinking, okay? Sometimes we can believe, um, especially Bible Belt, okay, we know how to do the church motions, Sometimes we can believe that uh, delighting in the law of the Lord is, well, man, I spent five minutes in the morning reading it before I got out of bed, and then I closed it and kind of went on with my day. Or, man, I delighted in the law of the Lord because I went to service on Sunday, and the preacher preached a good message. We laughed and felt convicted, all right? Or we went to life group for an hour, and we talked about it, but then I didn't think about it a whole lot the rest of that day or the rest of that week. Listen to me. David uses some very poignant words here. In verse 2, he says, blessed is the one, I'm going to jump over a phrase, who meditates on the law day and night. Now, let me break that down for a second, because some of y'all think meditation sitting on a yoga mat going, hmm, okay, and that's not what I'm talking about. Listen, listen. Meditation is not setting apart a special time of your day for personal devotion, although that's good, but it is reflecting on the word of God in the course of your everyday activities. And let me say it a different way. To meditate continually, because that's what we said, to meditate continually on the word means it's an active, consistent part of your life to the point, you ready? 
that it continually comes up in your thoughts and your actions and your conversations. What you talking about? I'm saying that what you read on Tuesday morning in your time in the Word, boom, comes to your mind and changes how you have a conversation at work on Thursday. I'm saying that what you discuss among your friends at life group as you're encouraging each other in the Word and Scripture on Sunday night, boom, comes up and changes how you speak and how you act in a moment with your family at home on Friday night. Let me ask you a question. It's a pretty weighty question. When is the last time that God interrupted your day with Scripture? Here's what I mean. When's the last time you weren't sitting in a Sunday gathering, although that's good, you weren't sitting at your life group, although that's good, you weren't sitting by yourself reading the Bible, although that's very good. You weren't doing those things. You were just living life in an everyday moment, at work, whatever your rhythms are, school, wherever you go. Listen, and you were in thought, you were in conversation, or you were in action, and God just, boom. He stopped you, and he, he brought Scripture to your heart and to your mind. And it changed what you said, changed how you live, changed what you thought, how in the world does that happen? Well, it happened because I was immersing myself in it to the point that it got all sticky all over me. Now, two days later, I still hadn't shaken what I read on Tuesday. Listen to me. That's way more than reading it for five minutes in the morning and checking the spiritual checklist, right? The law meditates. The word meditates on me day and night. The great pastor Charles Spurgeon once said this. Look at it on the screen. He said this quote, Many lack because they only read and do not meditate. It is not only reading that does us good, but the soul inwardly feeding on it and digesting it. It's my cookies and cream on a hot summer Mississippi day. Man, I, like I delight in it. I, I can't get it off of me. And so let me ask you, this is a real-life application question. Don't tell anybody, but I'm just saying, like, sit there and think on this. What right now, in this season of life, and we're all in different seasons, maybe you're a grandparent or a single parent or a high school student, listen, what right now, if you go, man, want to live a blessed life, and you say, man, I'm a follower of Jesus, what are your habits and your rhythms right now for you to read and delight and meditate on God's Word? I'd ask myself that, that same question. Like, what, what, what really is that? What does that look like for you? Um, some of you, right? And I'm, I didn't ask you to raise your hand and call you out, but I'm saying some of you, maybe you went, I don't know. Wait for Sunday and listen to what you have to say. And I'm just saying, like, we're going to keep doing this because this is biblical. But if you're just waiting on whoever's up here to feed you for 30 minutes, on, listen to me, that will not be enough. It will not stick. And God calls us to, to immerse ourselves in it so much so that it, man, it fuels us the foundation for our life. And listen to me, we live in a moment in history where, praise the Lord, there are, like, there are endless amounts of resources. There are some beautiful gifts of technology that allow us to immerse ourselves in the Word. Um, I'm just going to give you like a few really quick things. I'm not going to put anything on the screen. I'm just throwing stuff out. But like as a church family, like we've created something called, just called the Life Journal. 
If you go on our church center app or our website, there's like five, six different plans that you can, I mean, you can go on the shallow end or you can get on the deep end, wherever you want to go. Uh, there's even a plan that we started this year called Beyond the Sermon. So you can literally take this message right now and tomorrow morning when you spend time with Jesus or at lunch or whatever that looks like for you, you can dive in and there are questions and scriptures from this talk today that you can walk with all week this week. Okay, just a resource. Um, there are apps, free apps, like the YouVersion Bible app where you can read plans or read the Word or it'll read it to you. Um, there's apps like Through the Word that'll explain it to you, read to you. There's podcasts like The Bible Project that you can listen to at the gym on the way to work. Well, that sounds like a whole lot of other stuff. I got a lot of things going on in life. I'm just telling you, I'm just asking, are you, do you want to meditate on the Word? Because why? Well, Scripture says that's where the blessed life found. That, man, we would delight in it. That it would be our cookies and cream. And so see, a blessed life continually delights in God's word. Let's go back to Psalm 1. Pick up verse 3 and 4. Here we go. It says, that person, what person? The blessed one. The, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers, verse 4, not so the wicked, they are like the chaff that the wind blows away. Here's the third and final truth. I'm going to write it down, then we're going to talk about it for a good little while. A blessed life experiences the prosperity and the protection of the Lord. Okay, write that down, then we'll break it all down. A blessed life experiences the prosperity and the protection of the, of the Lord. <clears throat> David, the writer, says the blessed person, the one who walks wisely, remember, the one who delights in the law of the Lord, is like a, and he paints an analogy, it's like a tree planted by streams of water. Now, I did not go to Mississippi State, um, so I'm not very agriculturally sound, okay? Go dogs. Dun, 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 dun. All right? Some of y'all, that's that the only part of the message you heard all day today. All right, shame on you. Um, I'm not real agriculturally smart, but I, I've been around long enough to realize this, okay, that a tree planted by close to a stream of water is going to grow a lot faster and a lot healthier than a tree that's planted miles away from the closest stream of water. Okay? I got that one down. Why? Proximity to the source. Now, here's what I know. A whole bunch of y'all, at least, that I can see here in the room. Raise your hand a while ago. Bless life. I want to bless. Okay? The Word says it comes from walking in proximity to the source. And so I would just ask you today in a very real way, how close are you today? Mom, dad, college student, how close are you living to the source? Who, who is Jesus? Um, I want to paint just real quick maybe three different pictures of people. Maybe you find yourself in one of them. Um, for some people, you are, you are living life close to the source. Like right now, I mean, you're not perfect. But you are, you are consistently and continually man, fighting for time in the Word, all right? And it speaks to you, and you're learning to meditate on it a little bit. You're in prayer. I mean, you're growing with other people in community. You're serving. You're trying to walk in generosity even when it's hard. And listen to me. Life ain't perfect. You still got your own shares of ups and downs, but you know what I see in your life? You know what God sees in your life? I mean, there's a, there's a peace. There's a joy. There's a contentment, even on days where it's hard. Why? Proximity to the source. There's some of you, second picture, there's some of you who go, you hear what I'm saying, you go, you know what? Um, I used to be close to the source who is Jesus. I used to be close to the source at some point in my life, 
Maybe it was like when I got baptized years ago. I was real close to him then. Or uh, when, I, when we got married, I knew I had to, like, I had to get my life right then. Uh, or when I'm, it was when I grew up and I was a kid or as a teenager. We went to like all the church stuff then. So I was like, I was always hearing about Jesus. But since then, because I have a lot of these conversations, since then you might go, you know what? Um, life got busy because I became an adult. Or I got married. Or we had kids. Or the marriage didn't work. Or my job schedule changed, or I had a health crisis. I mean, your li- the list is a my mile long. Uh, and really, what's happened is those things became barriers, or they became excuses on why I can't be as close to the source anymore. And maybe as a result, if it's anything like a lot of the conversations I have, people say, "Well, you know what, man? Life just feels so broken. It can feel so dry." Sometimes I don't even know if God's there. I can feel lonely. It feels empty. Maybe today, even as I'm saying this literally out loud, you're going, man, I, I wish I had that like joy and peace and stuff that I used to have. Proximity to the source. But for some of you, maybe you go, you know what? I, like I've been to church before, and I know some people who said they were Christians, but that's just never really been for me. I kind of I kind of live life for me. Can I just say something to all of us today? You will never know the blessed life, or Scripture says the life that is truly life, separated from the source. The tree in the middle of the desert with no way to get water, it just don't work. In fact, Jesus would say it this way, John 15, verse 5. Look at what Jesus' words were. He says, I am the vine, I'm the source, and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I'm in you, you'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. The blessed life remains in the source. Proximity to the source. How do they do that? Man, walking in wisdom. Delighting in the law of the Lord. And as a result, what do they experience? Well, it's the third truth today. They experience the prosperity and the protection of the Lord. What does that mean? Let me talk about that for a second, okay? Verse 3, was painting this picture, right, of this person who is a tree, who's connected to the soil. And here's what it say. It says, their leaf does not wither. Well, what does that mean? Well, hear me on this. It doesn't mean the heat doesn't come. It doesn't mean the tree doesn't get shaken. It doesn't mean there aren't seasons of drought, but here's what it means. The leaf doesn't fall off the tree. Why? Because it's connected to the source. And he's the way, and he's the truth, and he's the life. And he will show me the path of righteousness, and he'll fill my cup. Verse 3 also ends by saying the blessed person prospers in whatever they do. That sounds interesting. Some of us, that prosperity word gets a little weird, doesn't it? And you got to be cautious with it. But listen, here's what this doesn't mean. Here's what David's not saying. He's not saying that, hey, the blessed person who's going to get close to the source, that all of life goes their way. And they have big cars and nice houses and the businesses they start never fail and they never have a bad day. That's not what he's saying. No, he's saying that even though life may not always go their way, 
even though sometimes it may feel like things are stacked up against them, God is always present with them, and he is always accomplishing his purposes in their life. Kind of sounds a little different than the world's definition of prosperity, right? The word prosper doesn't mean prosperity by the world's standards, but it actually means this. Don't miss this. It speaks to the invaluable, eternal metric of God's protection and God's provision, both now in this earthly life and into eternity. Now, the last two verses just further speak into this, that the blessed life experiences the prosperity and the protection of the Lord. Look at verses 5 and 6, last two verses of chapter 1. It says, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Verse 6, For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. The last two verses, they just further highlight the protection of the the Lord over the life of the blessed person. Verse 6, the NIV we just read, says the Lord watches over. Um, Some translations, maybe yours says, the Lord knows the way of the righteous. Scripture is telling us that the blessed life or the life that walks in righteousness can live with peace because God as a good and loving father knows their way and he protects them, and he preserves their life. Growing up, um, I had the blessing of two incredible parents who loved me unconditionally, and by God's grace, they're still alive today. And, man, they loved me, they encouraged me, they supported me in my academics, my extracurriculars, they were there for me, they were a voice of wisdom into my life, um, and they, they loved me unconditionally, even to this day. And what that looked like in my house, one of the things that looked like, is it also meant that they held me accountable, um, that they set standards that we would live by under the Word of God, that we had standards for friendships and how we did that and dating relationships and what that looked like and how we did our work and how we did academics. And they ultimately provided a, a shelter of protection over my life. Now, Real talk, teenagers, you're going to resonate with this. Sometimes, as a kid and as a teenager, it got on my nerves. (laughs) Mama, I don't need your help. I'm 14, and I got it all figured out. Your house, too. But you know what? As I got older... The older I got, the more I learned to look back and appreciated all of that protection over my life. Why? Well, I looked around me and I looked at some of my friends and acquaintances whose parents didn't provide that covering and shelter of protection over their life. And I watched them go a whole different route that a lot of them are still trying to recover from today. And I think maybe what God taught me is this, that a life with no direction is a life headed for destruction. A life that doesn't have that covering of protection is a life that ultimately ends up in destruction. 
See, the promise of a blessed life is that we have a good and faithful and sovereign Father who provides that shelter of protection over us. And listen to me, some of y'all, it got you bent the wrong way because you're like, well, when I go to church, I feel all convicted and the preacher tells me don't do this. And I go to life group, or I read the Bible and it's so restricting and stuff. Listen to me, there were some times where I felt my parents were a little helicopter. You need to back off a little bit. You're restricting me. But now I look back on my life and I go, man, I'm so glad that they put up that boundary in my life that protected my heart and my mind. They weren't restricting me. They were loving me deeply. Listen to me. God's not about his do's and don'ts. He's about a relationship with you. And sometimes that does mean barriers. But you know what it also means? All the promises of the book. How does that come? Well, under his protection. That a blessed life experiences the prosperity and the protection of the Lord in their life. When? Now? Right now, when also into eternity. Now, I would be wrong if I didn't at least mention and spend a moment addressing the fact that there's a, in these verses, there's a counter to the blessed life. David didn't just stop at the blessed life, but he actually presents a counter in verses four through six. Scripture says, when someone chooses to live life disconnected from God, there is a result that they experience as well. I'm going to give it to you real quick, okay? Verse 4, this is the way verse 4 said it, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. What's chaff? Well, if you're familiar with it, chaff is kind of like the light shell uh, around a kernel of grain, uh, which ultimately has to be stripped away. But the reason David used it is because it was so lightweight that just like a little bitty breeze comes through and... The chaff blows away. What is he saying? He's saying it's the same way if you walk in the ways of the world. In fact, let's just like modernize it to like today. We live in a world that no secret, it is separating the world, it's separating itself from God's word and his ways more and more every single day. Right? And what are we watching? Well, we are watching the world be blown away, if you will, by David's analogy, by blown away by the forces of evil and sin and wickedness. Just like the book said it would go. Every day it's a new headline, isn't it? Of violence, immorality, injustice, brokenness, poverty. What's happening? Just what the Lord said would happen when we don't do life according to his ways. Verse 5 goes on, and there's two last phrases I want to hit on very quickly. It says, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. And then there's a second phrase, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. These two phrases, listen to me, incredible significance. First, it says the wicked will not stand in the judgment. What does that mean? Well, it means that the wicked or the unrighteous, they will have no weight to stand on the day of judgment. That there's coming a real day just as today, We'll stand before God as creator, but also God as a just judge. And those who walk in the ways of the world, they, there'll be no weight to stand on. Why? Didn't live life connected to the source. And as a result, the second phrase, as a result, they will not be able to stand in the assembly of the righteous. 
David's simply saying that it's a weighty thought, but it's a real reality that we will all stand before God. And just like this room that I'm looking at is divided on my right and on my left with an aisle right between, there'll be a day where God will divide out. And those who walk in the ways of the world will be on one side and those who have walked in the ways of righteousness through Christ alone will be on the other. It's a pretty weighty thought, but it's one that we all have to deal with. And chapter 1 ends by making it clear that the way of the ungodly leads to destruction. And church, the truth is that there, there are many people in our world, in our nation, in our city, and maybe even some people listening to me today who are living life by their own standards. And can I tell you the scary part? It may seem real comfortable right now. But it's not life connected to the source delighting in the law of the Lord. And as a result, I'm just telling you what Scripture says. A life with no direction ultimately is a life headed for destruction. And those who live apart from Christ right now will be apart from the presence of God eternally. Do you want the good news? It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. That God offers the prosperity and the protection now and eternally through the gift of his son, Jesus. So let's bring it back full circle as we lay in the plane. What's a blessed life? We all raise our hands and want it. What's a blessed life? Well, interestingly enough, as I read it this week, it doesn't mean a cushy life with a whole lot of money and stuff and success and everything the world says makes you happy and important. No, Scripture took it a different way. Scripture says a blessed life is one who walks in wisdom intentionally, who continually delights in the law of the Lord, and as a result, they get the blessed life, which is the protection and the prosperity of the Lord all the days of their life. No matter where you may be in life or in your faith's journey, we pray today's time pointed your heart to what is true and gave you hope to hold on to. We want you to know that we are available and ready to pray for and encourage you as you learn what it means to get life in Jesus and give life to others as you live out your faith. To get a conversation started with one of our ministry team members, you can send us a private message or text your first name to 601-397-6111. We would love to pray for you and walk you through anything that you may be experiencing. You can find reading plans and other resources to help you take the next step in your faith on our website www.theexchange.cc. As we close out our time today and prepare to scatter as a church, let us speak out our declaration together. We believe the great exchange took place when Jesus, who had no sin, became sin for us so we could know God. We exist to see people exchange their old life for new life in Christ and live out their purpose. Christ's love compels us to exchange ideas for truth. God's word is our standard. Selfishness for serving, we will serve others. Pleasing for reaching, we will share our faith. Keeping for dispersing, we will make disciples. Forgetting for celebrating, we will praise God. We are the church.